Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Joel Sked. If Cinch is about cars without the faff, we are Scottish football, but very much with the faff. Joining me to look back at all the faff from the weekend's action in the Cinch Premiership, uh, I am joined by uh, Graham Phyllis, who I can see is currently hooked up to an IV drip instead of electrolytes. It's, it's Rangers Twitter. Yes, uh, I... Uh... I am just recovering from a weekend by just injecting all the Rangers Twitter I can find. Um, I'm off to heart and hand to find out how upset they are about it. Broadly, it's been very good fun. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself, despite the fact that at the time, because I was driving, I listened to it on the radio, which was the BBC, so there was no coverage of it. I only actually saw the last 25 minutes of it. But nonetheless, I enjoyed those 20, last 25 minutes very, very much. And I've enjoyed the following 24 hours very much very uh, as well, really. So yeah, it's been it's been really good fun too. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. Another way is that Motherwell really missed an opportunity to go top of the league. Um, I think which, there's, there's there's about there's about eight clubs who missed an opportunity to really uh, uh, really take advantage of the other other team's shit fest of a weekend. Yes, everyone seemed to sort of stumble at the point where it was most important, except Motherwell, who seemed to do more than anyone really anticipated. Which I'm at the moment. I'm just uh, watching Motherwell and being and doing Motherwell stuff just now is great fun, uh, which for about eighteen months really hasn't been the case at all. Um, so yeah, because yeah, we may as well we may as well start with uh, Motherwell's one-one draw at Ibrox on Sunday. Fashion Sakawa scored a goal for Rangers. Uh, Willery, is it, is it Kai Willery? Kane. Kane, Kane Willery, sorry, yeah, but there's it's a, there's an I in there. So Kane yeah, yeah, there's an I and a Y in there, yeah. yeah. 
Kane Willery scored the second half equaliser. So stick uh, starting with Motherwell. I remember doing the um, Premiership preview for Motherwell with with you, Graham, and I actually was surprised when you said that you reckon um, Motherwell have got a good chance at like uh, doing well this season in the league, and especially as potentially as a top six uh, side. It seems like you were right. Yeah, like like I said at the time, if the signings are, if the signing strategy that we went with, which was essentially let's sign good players rather than just sign loads of players and hope some of them are good and then we'll make some of them better, which broadly is what we did under Robinson. It's difficult to be critical of because more or less that's what we did. Everyone that left us was probably a better player than they arrived, but it doesn't necessarily mean they were a good player. They were just a marginally better player than when when they arrived. Alternatively, this year. And I think even even after we after, even after we spoke, there was another couple of signings came in after that. And it's only really now you're sort of looking at the Motherwell team and looking at the the eleven that we can put out on the field. In addition to a couple of guys that haven't really played an awful lot or featured an awful lot for us at all through either injury or just everybody else's good form. I I don't think there's another club in the division that had a better transfer window than we did, given that we replaced our pair of centre halves. The biggest problem that Motherwell had was that we had a really big Alan Campbell-shaped hole in the middle of our midfield, which broadly, I don't. I think you'd be hard-pushed to find many people that have actually noticed that he's not been there, which for a guy that was as, as big for us as he has been um, over his, in, in, almost the entirety of his Motherwell career, for Callum Slattery to drop into that midfield and immediately just look like a quality player. I know there's a few Motherwell fans who haven't quite got on board with him, just on the basis that he seemed to have been quite expensive potentially, we seem to attract him for a long time. And in a lot of ways, he's if you're going to do that with a player, you're expecting him to come in and provide goals and provide assists and be very flashy. Alternatively, he's not these things. I, I think he have possibly has elements of that in his game, and I think we'll see that throughout the season. But to come into the midfield and just control it and stroll it around against Aberdeen, against Rangers in the last 25 minutes, when you needed someone in there to be composed, someone to break up the play, someone to slow the game down over and over again, it was just him. I'm so deeply, deeply impressed with him and his ability to continually draw fouls out of daft midfielders who are getting frustrated at him. It's just relentless over the course of 90 minutes. There were some stats during the rounds that the last week that he was the most fouled player in the in the Premiership, which I can fully believe because he goes down like a shite deck chair. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I, was, I was just about, just about to, uh, when you were saying that, I was just uh, checking about who is the most fouled player in the league. But I did see, uh, I think there was a little, before we end on to, to Rangers uh, too quickly, that there's a lot of Rangers fans unhappy with uh, the lack of game time uh, in the in the game. I think there's the ball was in play. I think that there was 51 minutes of dead time, um, essentially, which means uh, like whether well, whether that's uh, slowing the game down or just like the nature of most football games in Scotland, they're quite foully. Yeah. And there was a lot of that this weekend throughout a lot of the games as well. And look, Rangers do what they do to try and win football games, which is buy, buy footballers from around the globe who are more expensive and better paid than anyone at Motherwell and anyone at Motherwell can afford. Motherwell did what they did to try and win football games, which is stop them from playing um, and then take our chances when they came. Ultimately, Motherwell could count themselves perhaps a little bit unfortunate to only take a drop for the game. Rangers can count themselves a little bit fortunate to get a draw out of the game. Yes, they had a lot of chances. They didn't look particularly take it. It wasn't a case of it wasn't it wasn't Kelly making save after save after save. They had a lot of ball. They had a lot of shots. 
not a huge number, not a huge number of them were particularly troubling um, for the Motherwell defence. And in addition to that, when you have guys like Jack Simpson in your team as well, who are, I realise Rangers are in centre half crisis and that they're missing three at the moment, four possibly. So Simpson's come in. He's simply the guy's not good enough. He the the way O'Hara strolled past him, and Mark O'Hara is a is not the world's most skillful footballer. Um, but he just disappeared him like he wasn't past it, disappeared past him like he wasn't there. And that Goldson spent seemed to spend a bit most of his time on the pitch shouting at Simpson to do things. It's not a great sign for them. So I've got a lot of sympathy at all. Yeah, that the equalising goal was. I mean, it was, it was a great finish from uh, from really really very opportunist, but it was uh, there was a there was a lot of issues there. I mean, the uh, Simpson, the way he. The way he attempted to, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd use the word attempted very, very loosely to stop Ahara was was really poor. And um, but it was just it was a before that it was just a massive gap because I had to watch it back. And it's like how have they get so much space through the through the midfield and then just breaking into the box? Barisic reacted very, very poorly uh, to, to get on it. But with uh, with Simpson, I think. I think Rangers. I think there's 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 a player there in terms of in possession, but looking at him, he looks like he could be easily muscles off the ball. He's uh, he, he's he's very he, he does he looks he looks quite very slight. And there's two ways of looking at it with uh, when it comes to Scottish football. Is he too? Does he have? Uh, is he strong enough physically? But then also the mindset of things. You have to be really aggressive and committed when. Coming up against uh, all teams and going into any battle within within Scottish football, he just looked as if he was jumping at things um, rather than his timing throughout the game. Just looked miles off. Um, he looked he was both hesitant and rash, if that makes sense as well. Like he was yeah. jumping into things, but at the same time, he, the things that he should have been jumping at, he wasn't. He, that that Ahara, the Ahara skipping past him, he needed to be aggressive there. He needed to go and win the ball. Um, he, Failed to recognise the danger um, at all. Um, I thought he was, throughout the game, I thought he was very poor and looked as poor as any Rangers centre half I've seen in a little while. Bring it, bringing it back to Motherwell, it seems like so. We, we when we talked, I think you were really impressed with the starting eleven. If you can keep everyone fit, then Motherwell have got a, a great starting eleven. But it does seem like the squad players are contributing and contributing positively. Yeah, I mean the, we, we've seen that in the past. What few weeks when it's been Bevis McGabby turning out at right back, which it feels like the sort of thing that if you told Motherwell fans before the season started that we'd have played two or three games with McGabby at right back, folk could have been furious about it. He's been fine, broadly, he's been absolutely fine in there as well. He moved into the middle um, as Johansson was out of the squad, um, but uh, O'Donnell was back in fits, so that was no problem at all. Kind of just getting a bit of a tune out of everyone, and it's just the. The big, the, the worst performance by miles and miles we've seen this year was the Airdrie game, and the big concern from Motherwell fans, and I, I'm sure we said this in the preview podcast, was that the eleven that started that game are going to play a lot of football this season. If that was the case, then we're not sitting here having the same conversation. But I think everyone kind of felt that there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the majority of players in that team. They just need better quality around them, so you could carry one or two of those guys. In each and uh, in, in you're starting living at any point in time, um, you just can't carry four or five of them, and you're starting living at any point uh, for any length of time. And that's 
uh, given the number of bookings that we're picking up, we're going to have to start rotating. We're going to have to see more of these guys. Grimshaw coming back in and essentially being a squad member that we'd all kind of forgotten about and moving into midfield for him as well. It's just a power of work and it's not particularly pretty. It's not particularly easy on the eye. But I'm more than willing to back it because it's any time you've got 11 guys that are out there giving a shit is, is miles beyond what Motherwell fans have seen in the last 18 months, which has not been anything close to that. It's been guys going through the motions. It's been guys just not being looking particularly interested in it. And maybe that's unfair, but that's certainly the impression that it's given from watching on watching on streams. It always felt that way. Um, maybe that's a little bit unfair because you focus on aspects of things that you maybe wouldn't pick up if you were there in person because it's the whole experience of it as well. But to have the, the 11 that we have out on, the 11 that we had out on Sundays, just about our strongest 11. You drop Carol in there, probably, probably drop Johansson in for Bevis as well. But throughout every game this season, we've been carrying injuries. We've been carrying guys just been missing out. But the depth now finally looks like it's there a little bit as well. All, everyone on the bench at one point or another has shown something. I'm delighted to have Roberts back as well. Now he's escaped the clutches of Robbie Nielsen um, because we, he doesn't know what to do with wingers anyway. So we'd be, we'd be as well having him. Yeah, I caught a bit of uh, a bit of flat from Motherwell fans on social media last last night, bringing up uh, Jordan Roberts and uh, my opinion on him. It's like, um, why? <laughs> uh, before moving on to Rangers and then the, the next game, uh, how impressed have you been with uh, Oyala? He just seems like a very steady, formidable presence that uh, every team needs. He's really grown as well, and the. First couple of games, he looked very much like a certain half who was quite happy to just head things away all day. Which broadly, I mean, it looks very clear that we're just Motherwell seem to have just seeded the the idea of defending crosses or trying to stop crosses. Which I don't know if it's an in vogue thing in, in, in football broadly at the moment because I see I, I seem to see a lot of teams doing that and just saying, Do you know, what? we're going to go and defend it within our own eighteen yard box. Which looking at the looking at Ojala's stats and looking at Johansson's stats from the leagues that have come from, that's very much what they do. They're very, very capable of winning headers and winning the ball in the air. So if you're going to have two guys like that in there, or alternatively, Bevis McGappy as well, who's fairly, fairly capable in there too. Um, if that's what you're going to do, that's absolutely grand. Um, Ojala as well, just every game that he goes past, he looks like a better footballer as well. He looked very, very bomb scale with the ball at his feet to begin with. But every, as I say, every 90 minutes he gets under his belt, he looks more confident. He looks like he, he reads the game a little bit better. He looks like he understands the pace of the game a little bit more. And that's when you have guys coming from a, a completely different um, football and culture and football and background, arriving in Scottish football always feels like a little bit of a sink or swim, um, particularly at, at centre half, because if you make a mistake at centre half, you're going to concede a goal, almost certainly. So I think just how he's done that is a very mature way of doing things. I'm just, right, I'm really good at these things, so I'll focus on these. And then every week that goes by, I'll just let myself go gradually within the game. Him going off with with sort of 10 minutes to go, just looked if he tweaked something in his knee was a little bit of a concern, particularly since Johansson was out as well. Um, losing two Scandinavian, culturally Scandinavian centre-halves would be a real blow, um, given that both of them looked very capable um, so yeah, as as with everyone else in the Scottish Premiership, if the if at least nine of your first eleven stay fit, you'll be fine. Uh, and I do. I'm, you know, I'm, there seems to be a real will within the Motherwell fan base. I just, I'm unsure whether it's just because we're all really happy to be back at games, or whether there is a sort of collective will 
within the fan base, there's a real desire for this team to be good. There's a lot of, there feels like a lot of goodwill towards the team. Um, so I'm hoping very much we can continue that, at least until the other side of Christmas, because um, that will get us safe first and foremost, but then see what happens after that. Just touching on Rangers uh, before we move on. Just looking at it, it, it I think there was uh, the positive. I think there were positive signs for for Rangers in in that game, even though uh, they didn't win it. They didn't create. I don't think it's like Liam Kelly didn't have a lot of. It wasn't like everything he did. You say you expect him to do. There was one that squirmed on under his uh, under his body, but even that was it was quite a. Um, it, wasn't it, was weirdly, a, a, it was weirdly tame. It kind of yes. got underneath him that one, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, I, I don't know if he was, uh, it was because it was tame. It was so tame that he was surprised by it. But I don't think there's a massive, like an overarching issue with Rangers. I just think that it's almost like they are uh, doing maybe what they should have done. So I was, I was kind of looking. I was looking at it today in the old XG stats, and it is so, so basically of. Um, They've scored eleven goals. Expected score just under ten. And they, you look at it from you look at it last season where they uh, where they scored ninety two and they are uh, but they were expected to score seventy six. And it was it's similar in like um, defensively as well. They they conceded a lot fewer goals last season than they were expected to. And but it's started to just uh, get closer this season. And when games, it just seems like when games are closer, that they they're, they're conceding the goals that that does that drop them points that they didn't last season, or they're just not taking um, taking perhaps the chances to make it uh, to go from lead, leading by one goal to two goals. Uh, they're not they're not doing that this season. I do think uh, kind of personnel wise, there's a slight over reliance on Davis at the moment. Excellent player, but I think the last couple of weeks you've seen that he's uh, that he hasn't been uh, quite there. And then you look at you look at the bench and who who replaces him. So Ryan Jack is currently out injured. I think they've um, experimented with John Lundstrom, and then there's, there's there's Stephen Kelly. But when you take out Davis, then there's a big big drop off in in quality. That was my that was really one of my questions to you in the game about the game particularly was is Stephen Davis just beginning to creak just a little bit for Rangers like he's a guy that I ended up watching a chunk of the Northern Ireland game in Lithuania and there's something in the water with the Northern Ireland players because even guys like Michael Smith who we discussed in the podcast before he's, he remains a very good player but he's becoming a different player now for Hearts he's not a bombing fullback anymore because he's fucking old like there's like this the age age comes to all of us it's one, one point or another but then watching him for Northern Ireland he's still bobbing forward down the wing and things like that and you see the way that Davis plays for Northern Ireland as well and he pl- he just plays a lot of football um, for a guy of his age um, and maybe that's how he maintains his fitness and that's how he's maintained it this long because he does play that much football but at some point, like that, that's that's the big question in Rangers midfield, um, particularly um, as I, I keep meaning to sort of investigate as to when Ryan Jack might actually play football again. Um, but that seems to be the sort of the, the big question in the Rangers midfield in terms of what happens when when Stephen Davis can't play every single game, can't play week in week out for daft amounts of the season as well, and there doesn't seem to be anyone else within that squad particularly can do what he does, which means you're going to have to change how you do things, um, which I think Rangers have the players, the, the players to do. Uh, Aribo can be a very creative force for them in midfield as well. And 
with Kamara and with Jack back in there as well. Maybe that's you just sort of rebalance the midfield a little bit in terms of how you do things. I don't know, um, but he just has looked ever so slightly more sort of closer to human over the past couple of weeks, um, as opposed to his normal. I just glide around here. Um, yeah, as well as as I say, I'm I'm not at all convinced by Simpson at all, um, and that leaves was a fashion Sakala having scored against Real Madrid and Motherwell. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I do have to ask though: Is was he offside? He did look offside. He's, he's like when I say to, I saw a few people in. Uh, they were talking on the radio he looks offside and I was watching the highlight he's, he's clearly offside like it, it wasn't it doesn't even feel like a, a particularly difficult decision um, but I don't know if there's any way I can phrase that it doesn't make me come across as better and chippy but he's just offside like, he's very clearly offside I think as well in the game there were two penalty shouts I think ultimately both of which probably should have been given the one the one in McGabby certainly Although he's close, his arm is his arm is waving out there in a way that, as a centre half, your arm should never be waving out there. And the one on Watt as well, I think he gets there quite clearly ahead of Roof as well. So both very good penalty shouts. If no, if neither team gets them, then I'm not too bothered. So yeah, either either everyone gets a penalty or nobody gets a penalty. I can't remember the but McGabby one. I was unsure on the Watt one. It seemed it, and he did get there before, but I wasn't sure how much. Uh, how much contact there actually was from uh, from Roof, but uh, I'll give I'll give Tony a benefit of a doubt because he is he, he is a nice guy. Uh, moving on to let's go to Dingwall, Ross County two, Hearts two. I was there on Saturday. It was probably one of the probably one of the best one of the best games out of the weekend in uh, in the Premiership. It was uh, it was plenty of entertainment to be had, and a draw was. Yeah, probably was the 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 right result. So uh, I'm going to lean very heavily on you on this one because it was the the, the game that I sort of saw least of, uh, and Ross County are the team that I've seen the least of this season as well. Um, are Ross County improving? Are Ross County going to survive? I was so from my my view of them from uh, the start of the season and what I expected to to now, it's changed. Uh, it's changed massively. Uh, mainly because Blair Spittle looks like a uh, creative, goal-scoring, dangerous player, a leader. I was so close to comparing him to David Silva, uh, but I was, uh, I'll, I'll stop, myself, stop myself short. I feel like we've been here at least once a season with Blair season Blair Spittle for the last like seven seasons. Like at some point throughout the season, you go, maybe this is the time that Blair Spittle steps up and is is the guy in central midfield who then pulls the strings and then scores goals and is the guy that everyone expected him to be when he signed for Dundee United some time ago now. Yeah, he's he's been given the captaincy by yep. uh, uh, by by Malky McKay. He was he was a, he was a danger man. He's playing as I always seen Spittle as kind of someone you'd play on the on the wing, but he would come in and uh, do his business in field. But he's been playing as uh, and it's, it's weird how they've done it. So they've he's like what Callahan who just kind of breaks, uh, just runs forward. He just just runs runs in a straight line, which he's very good at. 
and then it allows Spittle to come in field. So Hearts played a very attacking formation uh, to begin with. And essentially Spittle might have talked about it after the game where he said that uh, Callahan's runs behind the defence allowed him to just come in and just play either side of Beningamy. Uh, him and uh, Charles Cook as well, who'd, who varied his position. And he just kept on getting so much uh, so much time because essentially Hearts played a midfield three, which had a striker, a number 10, and uh and uh, Beningamy. So Boyce and Woodburn weren't um weren't so defensively switched on and it did allow Ross County to overload, especially uh, in the middle. And uh Spittle was just he was just constantly involved, constantly getting in good spaces and looking to looking to probe. He was always trying to be on on the front foot front foot. And there does seem to be a nice, a nice balance of the three players behind Jordan White. Again, Jordan White, I think he had one chance and he had a fresh year shot. So that's, that says uh, says a lot about um, about Mister uh, about Mister White. But yeah, there's I was I was impressed with Ross County against Aberdeen. I thought they were they were competitive, and again, I was impressed with them um, with them on on Saturday. Big thing for them is I think Mark and Mackay wants them to be really energetic and to essentially press press teams use their uh, use their energy use uh, use their legs to to make it difficult for uh, difficult for op- opposition and they did that. Spittle went off. Uh, I think it was with his uh, quad complaint and then they they started to drop back and uh, be a bit more defensive. But no, they were a uh, there were a lot of. Um, a lot of positives, a lot of surprise for me looking at Ross County. So, from a Hearts perspective as well, again, is this is it a point gain? There's a two points dropped. Um, Stephen Kingsley's free kick was lovely, very, very lovely. Yes, it was. Uh, it was as weird that the, the goalkeeper that seemed to react quite slowly to it. Um, Maynard Brewer. Uh, to uh, to give him his um, full surname, uh, and he was he wasn't wasn't great for the opening goal as well. So the way I was sitting in the press box, it looked like it must have taken the deflection, but he kind of just sat down and <laughs> he just sat down and allowed uh, allowed boys to just pass it uh, pass it past him. It was like it's like sometimes I see, you see folk do it. It was, it was almost his goalkeeper was almost if he thought he was playing five sides. And, so he gets uh, to come back out after he's after he's conceded one. Yeah, it was either he wanted to come back. Yeah, wanted to come out, or he thought the goals were um, uh, were like they were really small five or said goals. But yeah, he, he didn't look too smart for either. It was it was two points dropped. I, I think uh, I think Nielsen made a mistake in switching from so we basically went from three four three to four one four one, and it was weird in possession. In possession, we did look like we played the back three uh, with. Taylor Moore just moving central, and then out of possession we had uh, played with a back four. But every time this season that we've changed to a back four, we've looked defensively vulnerable compared to when we've uh, played with a three four three, and we've looked a lot more solid. So uh, with Michael Smith out, there's I, th- I thought I thought um, he would have just went with Taylor Moore just out on the right and just essentially tacked down the left hand side, or if he was a bit more attacking, he could have played someone like GMS as uh, as an attacking wing back. Because if if he's if you've got Kingsley Cochran on the other side, you have got a really strong strong left hand side. But yeah, it, it was it, it was it was two points dropped, and still waiting for Hearts to have uh, kind of like a, a ninety minute performance. Like there's 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 been been games where we've had really good control, but 
over the piece it's just it look good for large parts and then there's just there's moments in like there's periods of games where just look uh either drop too deep or become too ragged which happened right after we scored to go ahead and then just before half time and it allowed Ross County to allowed Ross County to gain yards and uh, put us under pressure but no it's uh, with the with the, the, the players on the pitch the chances, even it wasn't a load of great chances, uh, chances created. But yeah, it's it, going by the, the results the rest of the weekend. It was it was two points dropped. And I, I watched I watched back the Hearts Dundee United game in which there were like you say big chunks of that game where you looked at it and went Hearts are really really good here. But I always I don't know if it's just my my impression of of Nielsen and Hearts, but it always feels like there's almost. A sort of an overload of insisting and doing things a very particular way. Like there's, this is working, this is good, and then we need to do that to counter that. It, it always seems just that there's a, a layer of complexity involved in it, which doesn't necessarily need to be there. Which again, this early stage in the season is probably when you want to introduce these ideas because then you benefit from it later on in the season. But I can imagine at this moment in time, it's particularly frustrating um, as a Hearts fan to see things and find yourself in positions and see good things, but then the good yeah. things kind of disappear I, 10 minutes later. I did say, that. I said to my mates after the game that I thought we might not see, uh, we might not have our stride, like we're not have the strongest 11 or what Nielsen views as the strongest 11 decided until November, just because players have come in, come in late. So Cammy Devlin came, uh, came on at half, uh, came in the second half and he looked really good. It allowed allowed us to have a bit more control and a bit more solidity in the uh, midfield. And he did what Peter Haring's been doing this season and getting the ball from defence and actually starting to uh, starting to play. It just seemed like, yeah, I think Nielsen, from having been accused of being overly defensive by playing essentially three centre-backs, two full-backs and two defensive midfielders, he went and played um, a back four and four a defensive midfielder. And then just wingers, wingers, number tens, and strikers. It just, it just seems to go from uh, one extreme to the other. When he could have just easily played, if he was going to play, um, if he wanted to play a four-one-four-one or a four-two-three-one, he had Haring and Devlin there that could easily have, have, have played that. So it, yeah, I think it was just, um, it, it, it was an error. It was an error. Moving on to where we where we're going next. I'm just trying to think of the the games. We'll go to oh next yeah. Speaking of errors, uh, Celtic. This is uh, this was an interesting game to watch. Uh, Livingston won Celtic nil. Andrew Shinney scoring an absolute belter. But dearie, dearie me, Celtic were really really poor. It's um, I always find you. I always really enjoy listening to a game on a radio. If I'm not, if I can't, if I can't go to a game of football, I'm more than happy to listen to it on the radio because I always feel you pick up really particular things on the radio. And to discover that a couple of Celtic players within it, and having watched it back, were absolutely right to find out that a couple of people were particularly bad in a game of football, as described on a radio station, is always quite telling for me. Um, and McCarthy and and, and Ajeti just look miles and miles off of it and they're, they're not alone in that Celtic team particularly and this Celtic performance kind of feels like Celtic in a nutshell as, and, and how they are at the moment and that there are people within that team and there are 
players within the team who are performing reasonably well and have been, for example, good acquisitions and seem sensible things to do. And then there are other parts of the team where you look at it and go, has James McCarthy genuinely been signed because he's a good Celtic man? Like, is like is this the reason why he's within this team? And it feels like as a club, they feel like they're continually battling against like we, we want to be a we want to be like Ajax, but in Scotland, we want to be a world leading team of signing good players and competing at the highest level because realistically that has been shown a thing that can happen. But then also, let's just get good Celtic men in. That'll that'll solve that'll solve things moving forward. We need to have that good Celtic corner. Performances it, it, performances like this just feel like really indicative of the club as a whole. Yeah, his his signing just seems so incongruous. It just seemed so out of um, kind of it's, it's just off like kind of off cover from what uh, uh, Postecoglou is looking to do. Yeah, at, at the club, and he just like. You want a team that is uh, that is pressing, full of energy, high intensity, uh, can play half the part, can play quickly, and like McCarthy, he can't do that. I seen in the in the Athletic today. Uh, I think it was uh, Kieran Devlin noticed like uh, um, wrote about dressing room sources and uh, that he understands that McCarthy wasn't a Postecoglou signing in. I mean. I don't think uh, that comes as a surprise to absolutely no. anyone. Anyone that's seen him sign is like, right, okay, Celtic. It's just been it's been talked about for for years, and uh, it was just seemed like oh, McCarthy. It, it, it seems like the signing you make in Football Manager, where you go into the free free transfer list and you go, oh, he's available. Probably I, don't I need him. him. Doesn't fit into my team, but I like him, so let's sign him. Yep, and that's and. You can almost you can almost pick out the players and, and pick out the signings, which seems like seem like things that positive Coggle is very like Kyogo, for example, screams, "Yeah, this is a positive Coggle guy. This is somebody that he knows that he's identified that he wants. That's that, that's a guy that he wants." Juranovic again looks like a really sensible signing. Similarly, at the same time, you end up on Sunday having to bring uh, volleyball and goalie back into the side, which. Raises sort of two questions of number one, why was he frozen out as long as he has been? Um, and he's just, been, is it a case of just like, we're really fucked off at you, go and sit over there, we don't have anything to do with you? And if you've done that, then why do you then, like, if, if you've decided that you're going to freeze him out and that he's, he's going to be done, why the fuck are you bringing him back in as well? Like, it just it doesn't make any sense whatsoever like it's that that in itself just seems like a really strange and very odd thing to have to, to be deciding to do is it really a case of that the squad is as, as thin as that that that's where you've got to go to if that's after the way you've treated them in the first place it's, it's always a difficult one just because I, I feel for Postacoglu because this Celtic team and then the squad that it was I, th- I think it, it's going to take uh, two or three transfer windows to like sort it out and especially if you're going to sort it out to his his standards and his philosophy the, the players he wants but he's been undermined yeah. by not not so much like the, the ball goal he's been undermined by the fact that they're signing players like James James McCarthy first first half Celtic started really well and I, th- I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this could be a feature for them is that they start really well, they don't get the goal and then they become a bit sloppy, haphazard. So McCarthy in the first half, it was, yeah, was knocking the ball around. That's fine. But when they went up against it and they were like, right, we have to uh, have to increase the tempo. We have to be a bit more adventurous, a bit more risky. When he was trying to do those passes, 
he just wasn't able to. So there's three times in the second half where he uh, gave the ball straight back to Livingston and passed him forward. He passed out the park and then passed out the park twice, but not just passed out of the park be- um, uh, just because it met, like missed a, a, a teammate. It was nowhere near a teammate. He was just off the ball. Juranovic is going to take up uh, time to get up to speed with uh, Scottish football. He struggled. A yet- uh, Yeti had one great turn and shot, but other than that, it was just, it was like your, your, your focal point and you want them to be there to link play and uh, to play off, but he just he wasn't there. He was just almost like he was standing behind the Livingston centre backs. Like Rogic, so many times he got the ball brilliantly on the turn, look up, and he had no one really to to pass to. Yotan Yotan Abada started brightly, but again, it just it was just very predictable and. Uh, this kind of going down on Celtic and rightly so because they were really poor but equally Livingston uh, played them really really well they played yeah. them really well they, they like uh, negated um, negated the space didn't give them any room to play in and oppressed them aggressively when uh, when they needed to and it just, it just they just made Celtic really uncomfortable I've kind of t- I've decided that the in my head, essentially, the the less sense and the less knowledge I have about a Livingston team, the better I expect it to perform. Ultimately, um, when I know very little about, like when it, when it gets to the point where like, I recognise all of these players, I know what all these players can do. Right, it's probably time for Livy to tear it up again and, and start again and start leaning on Jack McMillan again or your boy Lewis on loan from Liverpool, or your boy Williamson on loan from Rangers as well. Like I don't know anything about these guys, but they're all going to perform to a certain level and presumably leave and go elsewhere. They were. And I, we, I know we do this at least three times a season and be like, oh, Livy are back to being Livy. But it was Livy being back to being Livy after the first five games of the season when they very much weren't. They just, it wasn't, it wasn't the same level of intensity. It wasn't the same level of organisation. It wasn't the same level of, I don't know. It's the mixology of the collection of all of them and the system only works if everyone is performing the role to the best of their ability. Whatever that their ability is, when they put together the collection of guys that can do it, then it's always going to work for them. And I, I don't know whether it's because it's they have this current ongoing hoodoo. It's not a hoodoo. It's just because they've, they've been consistently better or this ongoing run against Celtic at the Tony Macaroni, which is... It's got to be better than anyone in the division at this point, surely. Yeah, I, I hadn't, I, I hadn't appreciated coming in, uh, going into the game, just how um, how well they've done against Celtic, kind of relative terms uh, in in West Lothian. But yeah, it, it, I think you make a very good point because it, it does seem like Martin Dale's had tried to uh, tweak the style or go down go down a different path with the team when you just. You just wonder if you just he just strayed a bit too far away from those um probably should should what should be kind of non-negotiables off that organization, hard work, commitment, and that feeds from the, the team spirit, which players talk a lot about with Livingston uh, from their time in League One up into the premiership, but it's only natural that's gonna might get chipped away at because those players who were so key. And the rise to the Premiership and their consolidation, the Premiership have slowly but surely left, or uh, kind of, or has had their role lessened. It just seems like it's come this season where that bit, there's been a big jump made from that Livingston that we all expect to 
a, a, a kind of Livingston 2.0 under Martindale and um, it's too often it's looked it's looked 0.5 but yesterday it, it, it looked like a, a Livingston side to um, still have those battling qualities still uh, still have kind of those intangibles and I think it was uh, Obelai was brilliant in centre back Jason Holt I think he is the um, he's kind of more the linchpin of the midfield now uh, but which I think was epitomised by Andrew Shinney because you need Livingston needed he, was, their- he was so good like, yes. throughout the game as well and Andrew Shinney was one of the transfers of the summer that I was really looking forward to seeing again because when he was last in Scotland, he was a player of the year nominated player. And again, as much as as much as, as much joy as I've taken from Michael Higdon being an actual player of the year, there's a very capable argument that Andrew Shinney should have won it that year because he was absolutely sensational for Inverness and he was a very, very good player. And it's one of the guys that disappear into the lower leagues down south and they never particularly hear an awful lot of um, simply because I don't go looking um, but to see him back in Scotland I was really intrigued to see quite how how he'd play out and my feeling was that Livingston was probably the best fit of just about anywhere for him because he's and we saw just all the very best bits of his game on Sunday as well It's it was not only just the graph but it was the guile within, involved that as well and he's, he's touched for the goal to lift it up to himself to, in order to get himself the space for the volley was just really sort of top quality stuff. And that's kind of the player that I remember. Um, and it's a shame that, oh, that's, that's, it's a shame it's been, what, five games? And he's he sort of missed the start of the season because he wasn't quite fit. But to come into the team just now, just having that level of quality, and that's all the good Livingston sides over the last couple of years have had players of a particular of a particular level of quality somewhere on the field, whether it was Dykes, whether before that, when it was... Um, Lithgow, Gallagher and, and Halkett as a unit. Um, Holt last year as well fulfilled that as well. They're just having a bit of quality within there as well. And if Shinny is going to be in the Levy team and remain fit, then he's going to be the guy that is the quality for Levy this year because he's such a good player. A player who has uh, questionable, a player you could question his quality just now is uh, a certain Kevin Nisbet as we move to Hibs to Admitting to he just he, he doesn't seem he, he doesn't seem to be the uh, the same quality striker without Christian Deutsch. This is uh, this is something I've been uh, this is something I feel like every time I come on this podcast to talk about him, so wax lyrical about Christian Deutsch, and with good reason, and it's because without Deutsch, Hibs aren't as good a team. Um, it's, it, it really is as simple as that, and as much as Ross. I, I I really admire Jack Russell as a manager. I think he does a very good job, but I'm not convinced that James Scott is an adequate backup to Christian Deutsch. No, he's um, I think he's rubbish. <laughs> well, okay, you you can go a bit deeper on him than I would. Um, Scott did his best work from Motherwell out on the wing, um, despite the fact that he is tall. He's not a target man. He may well be at some point. He's not at the moment. He doesn't have the physicality or the understanding of how to do that. And I think playing. I think him training with Deutsch will get him a long way to that. Um, if he's going to be that, whether he is or whether he isn't, sort of remains to be seen. But without yeah. Nisbet, can't be the physical. Nisbet isn't the centre forward that he can be without a physical partner beside him. Essentially, I think he's a very good player. But Deutsch has a rare ability of being a decent footballer. But the far great, his greatest talent is at elevating everyone within that Hibs team to a better level because he makes it easier for them. 
Yes, absolutely. We win. I said when I said James James Scott is rubbish. I mean, he's. I think he's a rubbish centre forward uh, at, at the yeah. moment. I think. Yeah, there's. Uh, I'm. I'm sure he could be moulded into a very yep. competent uh, uh, striker. Uh, he's he's mobile enough. Um, probably needs to be a bit a bit stronger. But just even like the Scotland under twenty one's games, twenty uh, one game against Turkey, he was a central striker and he just never held the ball up. He just never linked the play. And you need someone like uh, Deutsch who's uh, reliable in doing that. But I'm more disappointed with Fen Nesbitt because I think he is a player who can play up front on his own. I think he can. Uh, link play, there's, there's signs up against it, man. He can link play and has nice touches around the box. And he is someone who can create chances for himself and and, and, and dominate strikers, but it, it just doesn't seem to have have clicked or happened for a number of months now. Yeah, and uh, particularly against St Mirren's uh, Atomic Superman backline, um, that's probably not this is exactly the game where you desperately need Christian Deutsch to be fit and be available for Hibernian as well. Because yeah, to, to, because he is, he is someone that can. Uh, I think he, he, he's a player who can occupy defender, but then, for example, the back three just says occupying Shaughnessy, uh, one of Shaughnessy's teammates. I think he's, Deutsch has this capability that he goes, oh, he might need help here to deal with Christian Deutsch. I'm going to go across there and bang, there's space opened up in the final third. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as well for Hibs. Is Josh Deutsch, Josh Doig struggling a little bit as well? Yeah, for, me, for, for me, he's not had a great start to the start of the season. Um, and it's um it's uh it's interesting because I remember I, was, I remember speaking to some Hibs fans as before the opening day of the season, um, as just before we took kicked off at um Fur Park. And their view at that point, it looked as if Doig was on his way. He was going to be out his way on his way out of Hibs. And their view at the time was very much: you take the money for a guy that's never played in front of another, never played in, uh, never played in front of more than twenty people um, as a as a Hibs player. You take the money because you've no idea kind of what sort of player he's going to end up being when there's two thousand, four thousand, six thousand, eight thousand, ten thousand, fifty thousand people really angry at him. Um, and I remember at the time thinking that's a very sensible way to do business. I think I would agree with that as well. Um, but he's just not really kicked on. He's not even really reaching the levels that he was last season as yet. No, it's, it's he, he did. He looked really. Um, he, he, he looked pretty sloppy for the goal. I, I kind of I, I felt from because there was so Scott Allen passed on. Uh, I think it was Scott Allen had Shaughnessy passed Shaughnessy on. Well, there's two, but just the moment he did that, there was another St. Johnson, uh, St. Mirren, sorry, player in the box. I can't remember who it was. Who uh, Doig looked over his shoulder to and seen him, and I just don't think I just think he was like uh, almost overwhelmed because of the, the the two players and just didn't react positively. Enough. He looked despondent after the concession, the goal as well. And then you're right. I don't think he has been um, off sufficient quality this uh, so far this season again s- still really young so it's it, it's one of those where do you leave them in and let them ride out just to have that experience of yeah. struggling and like can it's like can you play your way out of it or you take them out um, I'm sure it was I think it was uh, Jim Jeffries when he was my Hearts manager I think he usually kept players in when they were struggling and then when it was when at their, they were at their top I was like right now I'm going to take you out uh, I, I don't know if it's like a humbling experience so it'll be interesting to see what what Ross does with, with Doy but it, it's hard one He's, he, can, he is a very talented player but also yeah, you do have to uh, have to look out for him to an extent 
I want to talk about the opening goal, Eamon Brophy. Yep. So, Graham, you are a defender. Just say you are a def- Scottish Premiership defender and a ball is played to Eamon Brophy down the left-hand side of the box. Eamon Brophy comes into the box. Are you showing him down the line onto his left foot or are you allowing him to come onto his right foot where he shoots no matter position, no matter uh, angle, no matter how many bodies are in front of him. Which of those two options do you take? Can I can I just ask before this ha- before this this action happens? Have I ever seen Eamon Brophy play football ever? Yes, because uh, moments yeah, okay. before that happened, uh, he also he cut in on his right foot and had a shot saved by Matt Macy. Then in that case, yes, I would probably try and keep him off his right foot. I mean, bearing in mind that I've seen Eamon Brophy play a lot of football, I'm absolutely not letting him do that whatsoever. To be fair to Portis as well, neither Portis nor Macy cover themselves in a great deal of glory here, um, particularly. Macy getting beaten his near post is not good. Um, Portis letting the shot get off is not good. Nobody comes out of this looking good except Eamon Brophy. Um, it's a... Uh, an entirely avoidable goal is very poor from Hibbs and ultimately kind of both of the goals that Hibbs conceded we keep going back to sort of missed opportunities this weekend and, and again Hibbs should have had this game won um, and Joe Shocknessy does what Joe Shocknessy does which is score late goals at Easter Road because that's what he does um, so again if you're a Hibbs defender if you see Shocknessy going towards towards your 18 yard box before with like however many minutes of the game left just fucking stand next to him because you've been here before, you've done this before, you've seen this before. Don't fucking let him anywhere near the six-yard box. I don't know what it's, but Hibs do have seemed to be guilty of conceding late goals up that end of the pitch. Again, like, to Josh, to Joe just, Shaughnessy, yeah. To, to, Joe Shaughnessy and Stephen McLean seem to be, yeah. these seem the yeah. ones that, uh, that, that, that stand out. What is what is Matt Miller doing for the penalty as well? Because I I really appreciated this because Jim Goodwin was happy with this. I do that. I used to at Sunday League. I used to do this shit all the time because because I'm really big, right? If you go and stand in the 18 yard box, someone will put their arms around you, and all you do is you shout to the referee and you just be like, referee, look at this. And you might not get it that time. You might not get it. every time there's a corner, just go and stand next to the same guy because he always put his arms around you, and then just fucking fall over or just shout at the referee, and you like you'll get a penalty and. Like this is what I did at Sunday League. I am miserable. I'm a horrible, terrible footballer, and this is something I I can put together and do. If you're playing at Premiership level and you're getting suckered into something like that, how you like, it, you could see it happening the whole way exactly what was going to happen. And I did really enjoy Portis's celebration of it as well because he knows exactly what he's doing there as well. He's doing exactly the same shit that I do, just like hit the ground and then celebrate it because you've you're not going to score a penalty, but you've given somebody else the chance that you're not going to score it, but somebody else. So, just so stupid. Jim Goodwin, I hate moaning all the time. Well, and stop. But that's an extremely soft penalty. There is a bit of contact before the ball comes in, a little bit of grappling. But before Porteous goes to ground, Matt moves his arms out to the side to prove to referee he's not touching him. Porteous has a habit of winning cheap free kicks over the years. Some might say he was clever, but the referee needs to see what's going on and not give the penalty. There's real frustration because I think we could have won the game today if it hadn't gone against us. Um... No, I, I, I think uh, I, I, if there's if there's anyone that comes out of this uh, looking bad, it's it's Matt Miller, uh, other than Jim Goodwin, uh, just because, like you said, it's it's just it's just such it's just such naive such naive defending. 
just got absolutely suckered into it. Um, is it, it, it is absolutely daft. I did find as well Scott Allen's comments after the game quite pointed as well, and talking about working hard at training and getting your chance and taking your chance as well. Again, if I'm Scott Allen and, and I've essentially tried to been the club tried to shop me off elsewhere to St Mirren um, during the transfer window, and then you're now looking at it and Allen remains the. Or pr- probably should be the first option that Hibs off off the bench just about every week because if it's not working in midfield then Alan's the guy that's going to be there yeah. to pick up pick I up remember the midfield for you there's two things there's, um, I remember last week doing the uh, fan reaction for Hibs uh, game at the Derby and uh, one fan was like uh, our best player just didn't wasn't used today sitting, sitting yeah. on the bench and I do like, I think Els Fowler put in the group chat on Saturday that he really, watching him, uh, the goal back that he, he created uh, for yep. him again, he really enjoyed it because Scott Allen put the ball in where, put the ball into an area. Rather than passing to McGinn, he passed to the area that McGinn should be attacking. Uh, <laughs> and there's very few of, I remember watching, luckily enough, once to watch uh, David Silva. And he was, he, was, he was like that. He would get the ball and he would point and tell teammates where, they had to go and then he'd pass into or pass into areas they would, they would go. So there's a second David Silva comparison of a Scottish Premiership player. But that's, that's, that's it's the perfect, it's, it's, McGinn's the perfect guy for that as well because he's the most reliable. If you tell him to do it, he's going to do it. Like yeah. there's absolutely no question. And deadly Paul McGinn is something that I'm, I'm, I'm all here for as well. It's just somehow turning it a goal machine for him. <laughs> well. was a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great finish. Absolutely superb finish, but uh, like the way that Hibs are set up and the way that Hibs play, Allen's always going to be the first first guy off the bench. So unless unless you're absolutely certain that the person that you're bringing in, which is Jamie McGrath, I, 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 yeah, stop kidding about. If you're bringing in McGrath, if you think he's going to be the guy to, you're going to have to bring in someone else that's going to dislodge either McGinnis, who's not going to dislodge in the Hibs midfield because Jack Ross loves him, and it's not going to be Joe Newell either because he's better than he's better in that role as well. So that whole thing just seems like a bit of a mess and fucking off Scott Allen, who presumably is quite happy to kick around at Hibs playing an hour to 90 minutes every week for the rest of his career to have, there are very few players in Scotland who have the ball ability that Scott Allen does. So the the whole thing seems a bit unweird and I could fully understand Scott Allen being very fucked off at it as well because it just seems a bit unpleasant. Yeah, I, I mean, I've mentioned this on uh, one of the podcasts I've done recently, but Scott Allen seemed like the ideal signing for St Mirren on paper. Would have been, I've been curious to see how Jim Goodwin would have turned him into a number six, <laughs> uh, a defend, uh, uh, just uh, just uh, ball winning number six. But maybe we'll see that from January. We will go to Dundee and the Dundee Derby. Uh, thought Halloween was early this season and dressed up as the Edinburgh Derby for the vast majority of it, but still, it was uh, there was there was enough there to, to to get our teeth into to enjoy. Namely, Kerr Smith being born, uh, Kerr Smith being born before Dundee last one at Tanadice. Uh, after, so that Dundee. Sorry, sorry, one. after yes, yeah. Um, what. I think we're contractually obliged to say is that this was a good contest, which it was. Like it was a thoroughly good contest. 
Um, it was <laughs> Twenty Two Boys football. <laughs> Twenty Two Boys kicking fuck at one another, um, which was really good. But I say within that as well, there were a few performances um, within that as well of guys that did very very well. I thought Mulgrew and Edwards were absolutely top draw. That was that. That's the if if wherever Charlie Mulgrew ended up this summer, which was anywhere from anywhere outside Rangers and Celtic. It was so you were saying Charlie Mulgrew for exactly these types of performances. Um, any of the other two, ten teams in the league would have been quite happy to take him. Um, would have improved just about all of them, I think. Um, and he was, I thought, th- throughout the game, even just aside from his the obvious blocks and tackles that he made, which was very, very good. I just thought he had a very, very good performance throughout the game. You know, everything, everything about him is uh, as a centre back. I mean, this is a really, really good quality. There's actually a few of them. In the, the, the Scottish Premiership, Shaughnessy, I think he's the capable of doing this. And uh, someone will come on and talk about Jamie McCart. Everything does, he seems really clean, gets yeah. clean contact and everything. It just, he just looks, he seems so unfazed and, and steady and assured. And he's one of those players that you just love in your team. And you think, no matter what he's going to do, everything, anything he's going to do, it's going to be the right, the right thing. Seven, he, seven out of 10 minimum every yeah, single Saturday. Absolutely. Or I, think, uh. I just, I think you look at, uh, Tony and I spoke about this in the preview pod uh, for the Patreon uh, head of the Derby and you look at the Dundee, Dundee United centre uh, essentially their centre-back pairing this season which is Edwards and Mulgrew compare it to Connolly and Reynolds it's a massive massive upgrade you see what both of them uh, both of them brings like Mulgrew is so cultured on the ball he, he's great he's got a great, great vision but he combines that with uh, um just doing the doing the dirty stuff really well. There was one moment he turned into uh, Cialini, not the not this tackle on Sheridan, but he, there was one moment where he, he did something and then he was celebrating it. I don't know if it was the tackle, but it's, it's seconds later he was he was he was celebrating it. And I I just I think that's probably been you look around one of the one of the best or most important signings made in the Scottish Premiership this this season. Just his um, his experience and had an interesting career because he had. When he was at Aberdeen, I think it was when he was at Aberdeen, there was uh, always question mark how good he was. And uh, Celtic went down south, um, played down south for ages. When he came back in the Scotland team, he, there was doubts, but it always seems like he always seemed he was quite reliable for for, for Scotland as well. So yeah, it's a, a great piece of business from uh, yeah. from Dundee United, particularly as well. And then this game kind of. This game hinged on something that happened a couple of weeks ago, I think, ultimately, and that without Charlie Adam, Dundee's midfield, just there is just a, a distinct lack of composure within yeah. there as well. And it was it was Dundee kind of middle middle to 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 front. There was just a complete lack of composure from any other players, particularly. There were so many times where it, there were passes on and there were opportunities which were then either run straight out of play or just lashed as a big punted pass towards Griffiths when it just wasn't necessary at all. And all it took was just that, I understand it's a derby and it does get that sort of harem scaring way about it, but it just needed that little bit of patience. And it, as much as Bern Anderson and McGee or, or McGowan as well, as much as the, the, the four of them are all reasonable players, they just don't have the, you know, the on-the-ball ability that Adam does. Uh, and it was it was really telling how I, I felt kind of how Dundee struggled in that sort of middle to front area. There was I thought the the back four were, were absolutely fine. I thought defensively they were pretty they were entirely solid, but it was just going forward they just kept 
passing up opportunities which they should have made more of. And it was it wasn't even just in terms of the the chances that they missed, but the the creation of chances that they missed as well. There was a whole yeah. collection of moments where it just needed that extra pass. It just needed that moment to just somebody to put a foot on a ball and just stop the play for a moment. It doesn't need to be, everything doesn't have to be 100 miles an hour. It just needs to slow it down and let the game develop around you. And they just didn't throughout the game as well. And as the I, game developed as well, just lashing on strikers come the end as well didn't help this either because it was, again, just guys just looking to launch it straight into the box so that the guys could go and attack it. It just, it was frustrating to watch. I found Dundee really frustrating to watch whereas United had a, a degree of method about the things that they were doing. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think uh, what you said is, is, is spot on. And he's he seen that Dundee had the better the first half when it was 100 mile an hour and it was kind of back and forth and it was a battle and when the game settled down and it, it did get a rhythm, they just they just they, they didn't have a didn't have a plan B. They didn't have even Adam to bring on and uh, and do that. And how many times have you seen? Uh, I've always naive management from McPeak just chuck on like right, Jakubiak, Sheridan, Cummings, Griffiths. More strikers doesn't equal more chances or um, being being more attacking. I still thought Griffiths, thought Griffiths was poor, but I still thought it was he was the most dangerous player because yeah. it, when it when it went into him in the, the box in the final third, he always had that hope or expectation that he would he, he would do something. But no, I, I I agree. I think United grew into the game. Um, they grew into it better, but they grew into it smarter. Uh, big big part of that was Yandel Fuchs again he just uh, he's, he's such a good else. player just yeah, such a good he's... player I know Ian Hart's got the uh, the winner um, uh, the world's most boring footballer but it's uh, Yandel Fuchs is, is just uh, he's just so so good to watch yeah like United I feel like Dundee United have been linked with about 400 players in the past 18 months and even more so in the last 6 months in the sort of build up and during the window as well from kind of seemingly all over the world Um and they've ended up signing Hamilton's left back and the Finnish laddie as well. Um, <laughs> Fuchs, Fuchs being kind of the, the exception to that. And he he has just that bit of everything in midfield, much like Mulgrew as well. I do kind of feel that Fuchs could appear at any other any of the 10 yeah. non-old firm clubs in Scotland as well and would be very well liked by the fans and would do a really good job for them. It, Fuchs, Fuchs is a weird one because I, I, I reckon, I've, I've not looked at it, but I reckon if you looked at the stats, he wouldn't really feature high on passes. He wouldn't like defensive jewels intercept. He wouldn't really feature high on, uh, on like any kind of metric. But what he brings to the team is that he can he can do a bit of everything. But it's that it's that calmness in the ball. It's like everything he does with the ball, it just seems to be correct. And then like, when he doesn't have the ball, he uh, he chips in and is a crucial part of the team. Like I was saying about Simpson earlier on for Rangers, his timing on everything Simpson did, his timing was off. He was aggressive when he shouldn't have been. He was hesitant when he shouldn't have been. Fuchs just never does that. Fuchs's timing on everything is a case of he was always in the right place at the right time, which again, like you're talking about stats and things like that, I don't know if there is a statistic for that. Uh, an, an, an X right time stat or something, I've not the faintest idea, but he always appears at the right time. He's always, his body shape's always right. He's always in the right position on the field in order to make things really fucking difficult for another midfielder um, up against him. And as much as as much as Dundee United, as much as Dundee, sorry, missed Charlie Adam in midfield as well. Without him in there, it was just ideal for Fuchs as well because it was just a case of angles and timing and positioning, and that's that's everything that you get from him, and that's everything that you expect from him. 
and he was he was very very good. I'm glad that I, 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 I'm glad that you've you've mentioned Ian Hawks, um, Scottish football's most boring midfielder, um, as he lashed in the goal as well. Which I mean, both of us said that on Sunday we were sitting watching the game um, on the WhatsApp group as well. So I'm glad that we're both happy to acknowledge that and and, and admit that we did this despite the fact that the guy got the winner. And I stand by my decisions in life. Yeah, I I, I do feel harsh for the most boring football because he seems like a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, delightful. Um, I mean, he's, he's not a bad... He needs, to, he, needs to, he needs to get a top knot back as well. Like, that made him a, a, an instinctively more interesting footballer yes. as well. I mean, he's, he's not a bad footballer. He's just just somebody who's like, nah. Fine. You're going to gonna tune in to watch a Jando Fuchsia. You're never going to tune in to watch a watch an, watch an Ian Harks. Graham, can I ask you a question before we finish? Yes, absolutely. Maybe our chairman... Oh no! It, 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 it's actually it's not a question to you. So it's more 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 a statement. Maybe our chairman. Sorry, it is a question because I'm going to read something out and then ask you a question. Maybe our chairman can commission an independent review into why we are so fucking shite. Which team am I talking about, and which chairman am I, am I talking about, Graham? Is it possible that it's the team that was the better team on the pitch? Uh, would it be Aberdeen Football Club, who are presumably once again the better team, um, who fucking lost again? Um, just thought you're correct you're correct Excellent. it is it's Aberdeen Football Club and it is Dave McCormack and it is Stephen Glass um, is, is, is the manager it's, I know I know. this is a feature that was it you and Phil used to do called Thank You For Not Defending you could run a whole season of that solely based on Aberdeen because they can't defend um, and they, they're, they're so 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 this is this is Aberdeen now St Johnson won Stevie May with the, the, the winner they are so so naive so yeah. naive defending. Um, Glass's comments after the match of there are there are there are a few situations that we haven't handled well. I mean that's not entirely true because the situation that you don't handle well consistently is defending because your team can't they just can't defend and I again this is it, it's going to come across solely sort of bitterness because because Gallagher's gone off and and, and left Motherwell to go and play for Aberdeen. Gallagher's second season for Motherwell <clears throat> felt very much like he was on a decline with us. He'd reached a peak in terms of he became Scotland's number one in terms of centre halves. He was just about first name in the team sheet, presumably, and then dropped off pretty dramatically. He appears to have continued to do that since he arrived in Aberdeen as well. He doesn't look commanding, he doesn't look dominant, he doesn't look aggressive, which are all the things which made Gallagher a good centre half for Motherwell. Um, he looks passive. Um, whether this is a coach thing at Aberdeen, uh, whether it is just a case of the, the combination of defenders that they have and the combinations of defenders that they put out um, aren't quite working. Um, but I, I don't know, but they just, they're bad at defending. And you can make the argument again that Ross McCrory's not a centre-half. That's fine. Ross McCrory has played centre-half numerous times for multiple teams at this point. Um, he is a functioning and capable centre-half. He's not the best centre-half in the league by some distance, but he is a capable centre-half and that Aberdeen can't seem to get a tune out of the collection of centre-halves that they have it's a fun, it's, it's, at this point it has to be a structural thing it has to be a coach thing you took you took the words right I was just about to say that it's not a I don't think it's an individual thing I think it's a structural thing the the biggest one thing I've noticed with watching Aberdeen game is that their full-backs are usually very aggressive in their position very high up and it's quite easy for teams to get in 
down the sides of him. And then when you get down the sides of Aberdeen, that brings your def- uh, centre backs way out of position, uh, and it just it just moves your whole team around and puts you, it puts um, the team in difficult difficult situations. There's there's uh, I think if it was the goal disallowed by middle. That's that was certainly the case with with, with that one, but. Not only are they defending really poorly, <laughs> they don't look like an attacking threat, all much of an attacking threat as well. I have my reservations about Christian Ramirez, um, which I think are slowly but surely coming to fruition. That I think he's very limited. He's not very easy. He's got a, quite a limited, a limited striker. Um, what I would say about Ramirez is that he has a wide range of frustrated expressions. Uh, that's something that we that, that I really found from watching the game on Saturday. That he is. He's very good at expressing his frustration at missing, which he's got a lot of opportunities to do. So he looks good he has, doing it. He looks good doing it. He does. He really does. And the fact that he's got so many varied versions of it maybe bodes well for him for the rest of the season. I uh, going going by what I've seen so far, I I, I think he will soon run out. He uh, will soon run out. Certainly before uh, the year is out. Uh, not much else to say about Aberdeen just that they were really really poor I, I thought their signings uh, towards the end of the transfer window, I thought that would give them more variety but they've just they're, they're a difficult team where I think Glass has been is, is almost making things too complex position at Oyo started off positively not sure Jet kind of playing at times uh, wide not for not for me there's just there's not not a nice balance at all uh, in Aberdeen's uh, Aberdeen's side Finishing on St Johnston, uh, I know they don't like us finishing on, uh, finishing on them, but yeah, I think uh, I think even they can admit this was the worst game of the weekend. They won, and it was uh, it was a win that they needed. I think that if there was if there was St Johnston didn't need, need to beat a team five four or five now. They needed to ground out an absolute shit show of result, and that's what they did at Aberdeen. And it's kind of, almost kind of just it, it, it releases that wee bit. Not that there was pressure on Davidson, but just the probably the pressure that the team may have felt. And uh, inter- it's an internal pressure rather yeah, than an external yeah. pressure, certainly. And I think is everyone in Scottish football really delighted for Stevie May? Like I'm genuinely yes. like, watching watching that felt like such a release for him. And I know like celebration was brilliant. Yeah, just like no one, no one is expecting Stevie May to return to being Stevie May as he was. No one expects this at all. I just want him to have really good moments, and that was a properly really good moment because he yeah. he was and he was one of my favourite players to watch in his first spell at St Johnston. He was so much fun, and seeing him do that was just like good. I I, I could not be happier for you in that wee moment. And in addition, we see Effie Ambrose back in Scottish football as well. What so you've gone from a back three of uh, Jason Kerr, Jamie McCart, Liam Gordon to a back three of James Brown, Effie Ambrose, and Liam McCart, and uh, it sees James Brown slotted in there really well. I think uh, Ambrose certainly struggled in the opening period, but uh, uh, over the piece was uh, was a very very good performance. And Jamie McCart is just I, I know that you are the same as me, just a, a massive massive fan of Jamie McCart, and he, he just he's just such a such a great defender, and just he's so important to St Johnston. St Johnston, and I think without Jason Kerr, I think his importance or his appreciation will be seen more this season. I think so as well. Um, he is. I was fortunate enough to actually see St Johnston play live a couple of times last season in the, in the League Cup semi and final. And his influence is always interesting. You'll have seen this as well, being at games occasionally as well. You tend to take enough, just a little bit more from games by seeing and hearing what players are saying and doing. Yeah. Um, because you could hear everything. <laughs> it was bizarre. 
but just the the reliance that everybody in that St Johnston side that were anywhere near McCart had on him was really telling, I felt, and remains very true, I would imagine, as well. Um, so, yeah, St Johnston, as you say, they needed the win. Um, the squad that they've got, as much as they are going to miss the players that left, the squad suddenly, at the end of the window, just looks a little bit deeper. Um, than it did two weeks ago uh, much the same as Motherwell as well just there are now bodies there guys that you recognise guys that you go and guys that you know that can perform at this level as well and I think that is a perfect way to finish and especially because I can hear my dog getting told off in another room so I need to go and sort them out uh, show them who's boss good good for you. you you take control of that I, I, I'll shout with him and then he'll essentially tell me to fuck off, uh, which was uh, which is just how the relationship goes. But uh, thank you very much for Graham uh, for no spending this hour and well hour and a bit uh, with me. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to check out patreon.com uh, for slash terrace podcast. Loads and loads of content. Check out review from the terrace. Uh, the new podcast uh, series, just doing you know, just new podcast with plenty of uh, series in there. Check that on wherever you get your, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, other than that, take care. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.